Hello and welcome back to another episode of Binge List and Box Office Hits, the podcast about all things film, TV and streaming, with your host, Shannon Holiday, and me, Letitia Thomas. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Binge Lists and Box Office Hits. I am your host, Shannon Holiday, and I'm joined with someone else this week. This is Andrew Teddy Westini. How are we going today? Good, good. I was I was wondering whether we were just going to pretend that I'm Letitia and then not yeah. say anything. I was like, and Letitia Thomas, how are we doing? <laughs> no, Letitia is over in Europe at the moment. She's actually on the plane still, so. Well, I'm... I'm very excited because I'll be going over to Europe too tomorrow. So I'm I'm happy to get this done today and have a bit of a discussion. Hopefully Letitia listens to it. Yes, she's been wanting to when she gets over there. I want to say thank you for helping us out too as a special guest. This is really, really helpful for us for the next couple of weeks. I've got a few special guests. You're one of many actually that I've got lined up. That's exciting. I know. It'll be, it'll be good to see what other, what other movies and action I've got some, heroes that we discuss. I've got some interesting stuff planned for the next couple of episodes. Let's just say, let's. Oh no! I'll leave. I'll leave yeah, it leave for it, now. Leave I'll leave it, leave it for it. now. We'll go from there. All right, uh, Andrew. So, what have we been watching this week? What have What have we been diving into? So, in in preparation for today's episode, I I finally watched Black Adam. I mm-hmm. I intentionally avoided watching it for a while because I was <laughs> concerned. I'm. For this week's topic, I'm I'm a big fan of. Yes, that's why we kind of this week's topic pick pick this one for you. But I was <laughs> I'm always concerned with DC mm. movies because they tend to either be hit or miss. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you entirely. And you yeah. had that discussion, yeah. I believe, last week about yeah. the Flash movie. Yeah, because I watched that last week. Yeah, it's it's hit or miss. I think the Zack Snyder stuff was awesome, but then they just didn't go down that route with those storylines. But Black Adam, it was. Enjoyable. It was fun. Yeah. Outside of that, I I've wa- been watching the Fisk TV yeah. show mm-hmm. uh, with Kitty Flanagan. That's I usually don't like Kitty Flanagan. Really? Okay. But this one, I think she plays. It's very similar to yeah. the other Australian government drama. Yeah, yeah. Utopia. 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 Yes, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. And where the main character seems the only one switched on. And yeah. Everyone else sort of seems a bit. That sounds a bit off with characters and. Fisk is very similar yeah, and okay. it's really enjoyable. Yeah, it's like a central grounded character with like all these other zany things happening and they're kind of like this the the voice for the audience as well. That's essentially yes, what happens yes. with those grounded kind of comedies. That was a great TV show. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I haven't watched any of those like Utopia or Fisk or anything, but I do like Kitty Fallon again because I've seen her on like, um, what's that What's that show? Um, have you been paying attention? Oh, yeah. That's where I see all, like, the Australian comedians get on, and I just love watching that from every Mondays when it's on. So, yeah, okay. And then the other major one that I watched was Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre. I have seen that. That's the um, Guy Ritchie film. The Guy Ritchie film with Aubrey Plaza and Jason Statham. Yes. I really, really enjoyed that. It was probably the most fun I've had watching a movie in a while. It's Josh Harnett as well. It is. That's right, yeah. I watched it purely for April... Uh, from Parks and Rec, Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> well, the the character that has been captured me most in it, and it's he's captured me in a lot. And now that I think about it, it's a lot of Guy Ritchie films. Is mm. Hugh Grant's character? Oh, he's hasn't he, he had a resurgence lately? He has, and it's stepping away from that heartthrob yeah. role now that he's a bit older and can't 
can't maintain those leading man roles. I think he's, he knows. But it's like they're going great and he, yeah. he's really a powerhouse on screen and draws that attention mm. in. Have you seen, unrelated, have you seen Dungeons and Dragons yet? I have. And that that's, was, that's another one of his where he stand out and completely exactly. different. I, was, I, I love that film. Where he, he's got a bit of comedy. He knows, yeah. he knows what he hits mm-hmm. and, and doesn't try to do anything too outrageous. Yeah, exactly. He's just having fun with his roles now, which is really good to see. Yeah. What about yourself? What have you been watching? I've had a few things this week. So I ended up watching the movie called After Sun from 2022. It's it's starring Paul Mescal, Frankie Carrillo, and they're like these father-daughter kind of dynamic. And it's basically a story about this girl and she's reminiscing about her her like holidays from when she was younger as like an 11 year old. And it's through the eyes of her seeing like her father and her, her relationship with her father. But it's also intercut with like what would be probably today's kind of present timeline when she's the same age as her father. Because okay. he's not like present in her life anymore. So she's like reminiscing of like, well, what was my view of my father back then? And then trying to get an understanding of what it would have been like for him now at her age. And it's just this like, beautiful melancholic film that's just like about these two people they obviously love each other as like father and daughter but like he's going through like you know financial troubles and he's got like pretty heavy depression and it's one of those movies that doesn't really spell it out for you too much it's just on the screen and you kind of make that assumption or make that kind of connection yourself and you go yeah cool he's got that because that's what's happened on screen okay and it's quite emotional. It kind of comes together at the end. And you kind of understand where kind of the characters have gone, like especially what happened to the the father character after kind of their holiday together when they were younger. Because it's in cut with like you know like mini DV footage, which is like that old school camcorder stuff that's like from the old school past. Cause it's twenty years ago, so that's cut in as well as like you know normal footage. And yeah, you just kind of sum it up together. And I was just like, oh, I can see why he was up for like best actor last year. It was it was. Honestly, worth checking out. I saw it on binge. That's interesting because I, I've heard, I've obviously heard of After Sun as mm-hmm. a movie that's been out last year, but I yeah. haven't actually seen too much about the actual movie itself. Like the yeah, what's about? Yeah, stuff, what it's yeah. about, and it, it's good to hear that some of these movies that I haven't seen. I've, yeah. I've had a very busy year, so I haven't had a chance to catch up. Yeah. onto everything. So I'll definitely have to throw that one on the list for something to watch. Well, this one only. For me, I've been wanting to watch it for the same amount of time. Like, I knew about it since last year when it was up for award season and stuff. But um, it's only just got added to a streaming service, like, this week. So I was like, okay, now's my chance. I'll chuck it on. Loved it. So if you haven't seen it, anyone else out there, and you've got binge, check it out. It's worth it's worth watching. Nextly, I've been watching the new Star Wars series, Ahsoka. Uh, it's just got added to Disney Plus this uh, two weeks ago because it's got three episodes now. So, starring Rosario Dawson, Natasha Leo Bordizzo, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Ray Stevenson, and Vanna Sarkano. And David Tennant is a voice in it. I didn't realise that. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of the robots. It's really, yeah, you can tell when you, like, listen in, you're like, yeah, that's David Tennant. Cool. Fantastic. This one is, it's basically a sequel to both the Clone Wars and Rebels animated series. It's kind of also a spin-off in the Mandalorian kind of live-action universe because Ahsoka was in a couple episodes of those, but her main storylines come from those two animated series. And now she's been chucked into her own live-action series and something from those two animated series have kind of come up, like a threat from that has resurged into like a live-action series timeline. And so far, this has been probably one of my favourite 
TV shows out of the Star Wars universe. Has it? Yeah. It's kind of, it's got that vibe or feeling that's been missing in a lot of Star Wars kind of franchises lately. It's like a lot of space battles, really cool lightsaber kind of fights as well. And just, just interesting kind of like villain plots that kind of, you're like, ooh, this should be interesting. Space opera. Yeah. And that's, I've, a lot of those I've had minor issue with. They just appear to be somewhere in the yeah. Star Wars universe. They don't necessarily tie in other than when they make some extreme stretch yeah like with mandalorian it was all just from mandalore yeah. where in the in the universe and then they at the end of season one i believe mm. where they just tie in boba fett yeah well yeah boba fett and then boba fett gets his own series as well that's kind of spun in there the book of boba fett which unfortunately was for me the most disappointing tv show one so far um, for anyone else not playing at home and doesn't know anything about Ahsoka Tano, Ahsoka Tano is Anakin Skywalker's Padawan during the Clone Wars. Now, you didn't see him in the episodes one, two, and three. It was essentially the part that happened in between two and three. He got a Padawan while they were, you know, during the wartime. Um, and that's where her character gets introduced. Most of that series takes place in between those two movies. And then she goes off and does other things when episode three is happening. And that takes place in the Clone Wars animated series. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, she's introduced in there. Rebels obviously takes place after um, episode three and before episode four, A New Hope. So she's a little bit older. She's more like a master, Jedi master. She's obviously in the run because she's one of the only surviving Jedi of Execute Order 66. So she's in hiding a lot, but she's still helping out the Rebels. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the next one I was going to talk to you about, because you probably have a lot more knowledge on this than me, actually. I watched the new live-action series of One Piece. Well, when I must say watch. I watched the first episode so far, and I thoroughly enjoyed it because I have seen only one episode of the animated anime so far as well, and I just wanted to see if it matched up. Uh, it's pretty close. It's really good. I'm enjoying the characters so far. What my question for you was going to be is, have you read slash seen much of One Piece? And do you think you'll probably watch this? I like how you just assume that I'm a (laughs) a big anime fan because I've watched a few. I'm letting the audience know what you're kind of into. I know. I'm alluding to. There's there's not a lot of my interests that are showing here. Oh, he likes anime. He He likes likes Dwayne Johnson. (laughs) That's it. That's all you need to know about Andy. That's all you need to know. Yeah. I've seen a fair bit of One Piece. Yeah, okay. And I've read a bit of the the manga. Mm -hmm. But I have... I think I've intentionally avoided looking at anything of this yeah, live action okay. because the live action of a lot of these wow. anime adaptations tend to go really poorly. Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop, from what I saw, it wasn't too terrible, but it just didn't get the traction. That no, and that's why I got cancelled because Netflix is pretty ruthless. Yeah, but then you look at other ones like Dragon Ball, which it had a live action adaptation. And Evolution. Yeah, and oh it went God. terribly. It's considered one of the worst films ever made. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it went horrifically. And then there was Avatar The Last Airbender live oh, action yeah. adaptation. Oh, yeah, Night Shyamalan one. Yeah, and I didn't hate that, but it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. So that was a very another one where I was sort of going, okay, there's a trend happening here yeah, where okay. I'm just going to avoid these movies. Yeah. 
So I don't know. I I'll check it out. I've at least watched the first episode and get back to me because I've watched that so far. It does match up with the first episode, well, at least the first couple of episodes because it's an anime. They definitely have filler. It matches up pretty closely of what it is, but then it kind of turns it into a, it's a live action, so it's got to take liberties as well at the same time. So it it definitely showcases what it the anime or the manga is telecasting in those in the first couple of books and episodes well, pretty very, pretty well. Well, it very quickly gets into mm. mermaids and things in yeah. the anime. So, Well, here's another question for you is you've obviously gone a little bit further with One Piece. I don't th- – you wouldn't have watched or read all of it yet, right, because there's like a million ep- – if you have, that's fine. That's actually better for my question. I've read most of it. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think there's large gaps in the middle missing. I, yeah. I'm generally – up to date at the moment. If he's looking for the One Piece, which is the ultimate pirate Trevor to become the Pirate King, how is it taking him this long? <laughs> I've got so many questions oh, already. There's, there's a lot of... Does it just go away from that kind of like drive of what he wants later? No, there's... Well, yes. St- yeah, yes and no. Okay. It, there's the shift of him wanting to be the quote-unquote pirate, pirate King. king yeah. There's the drive of him wanting to find the One Piece and I think, and I could be wrong, please don't, come at me stands is <laughs> whether it's actually a treasure or i think i think it may have recently a, been confirmed by the creator yeah, that, that it was an actual treasure and not just the love in our hearts sort of thing oh uh, yeah but heart of the cards <laughs> yeah but i think it's because it wasn't said at the start of at least this version no and that's i think at the start it's very it's very simple and very yeah. plain and it's and as with all expands. of these they very expand and they yeah. all get very Strong and powerful and well, everything he, has to be one level higher. And so after a while, it just yeah, becomes too the high. Dragon Ball Z effect where it's like you're basically versing universes. But f- as far as this live action adaptation goes, I'll be interested to see where it goes just because there's so yeah. much in this current animated series. And That's what I mean. I, interesting to see. So obviously, they've only done season one. I'm going to assume it's going to do another season or two or at least probably greenlit if Netflix backs it, if people watch it. The best part about this one is I know that all the actors and actresses that are in it are monstrous fans of One Piece. They're not just being cast, cool, I'm in One Piece. They actually really want to be in it because they love the characters. I think that's going to show on screen a little bit more than, you know, just people that want to do it for a paycheck. So if there's a little bit more love in it, hopefully they do it justice. So that's why I'm keen to see the rest of the rest of the season. There's only eight episodes, so I've watched the first. It should be pretty easy to get through. Yeah, I just don't want it to set itself up to fail, knowing no, that know. it's never going it's, to catch up with no. the animated series. So whether They'd it has to take its own direction and the concern that potentially you might offside all the current fans, fans which... Yeah. Are, what is going to drive this series to success. It'll be interesting to see after this year, after what they plan to do for the next couple of years for seasons. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Yeah. All right, my last two, which I'll talk about as one thing because they're basically the same thing. Last night I watched Vacation Friends from 2021 and Vacation Friends 2 from 2023, which came out this week. They are starring John Cena, Lil Ray Howery, Meredith Hagner and Yvonne Orji. Uh, they're written by, the first one's written by a bunch of people, like a bunch of people, like five or six people who wrote it. And the second one is only written by the director who is, uh, Clay Tarvey. Now the first one is one of those films where it's like this really like straight couple goes on a vacation. They've planned it for ages and they meet up with this just absolute chaos of, of a couple as well. 
and they end up having to share a room, chaos ensues, comedy ensues, and they, lo and behold, become friends towards the end of the film based on, you know, certain things that happen. The first one's actually pretty good. Like, it's got a really, really good story. The comedy moments work. Like, John Cena is chaos in this, absolute chaos. And it's just funny because he definitely gets comedic timing. When I went to watch the second one back-to-back, because they had, like, tied up essentially the storyline of them having, like, friction and conflict from the first one, although being friends, but, like, having that kind of, like, adversary kind of effect wrapped up in the first one. The second one just didn't really have a drive. Like, they chucked in Steve Buscemi in the second one to be, like, um, Meredith's father who was in prison, who just got out after 20 years to kind of, like, be that conflict in, like, in the, in the, in the movie. It wasn't... He just played it too straight, Steve Buscemi. Like, Steve Buscemi's great, I think, but he didn't fit in with the comedy of this movie so much. Another thing that griped me so much was they say that they go to the Caribbean, right? I full well know that this was filmed in Hawaii because I was did that thing from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where I was like, did the clicking, like, you know, like, and I was like, I've been there, I've been there. And then I was like, it's Hawaii. Why couldn't they just say it's Hawaii? It didn't matter to the story where they were. So it really frustrated me. They just did, they're like, we're in the Caribbean. I'm like, you're not though. Mm. <laughs> and it was one of those films where it was, because this one was straight to streaming on Disney+. Plus. It, uh, it just definitely, like, didn't spend as much money on the budget. So the explosions and stuff of things that they were like, you know, some planes crash in it and stuff. It's unfortunate because I one of the things that you mentioned there was that this this sequel didn't quite get the drive that the first one had. Mm. And I think that's a a classic. That's issue a classic where first movie or the first series or however they however they look at it and they go, we've got this one issue, mm. and we resolve it. Mm-hmm. They then have to create some sort of yeah. conflict to make a sequel, and without having a well written. Conflict. Yeah, it doesn't go anywhere, and especially when it feels tacked in. Like you know that it was just to create this story, and like there's so many scenes where it's like it tries to double down on the cringe humor, but in a wrong way. Like at one point, Steve Buscemi sends the main character like this this package, and like he's been like suspected like drug dealing this whole time, and like he opens the package is this big bag of like white powder, and he's like, oh, it's cocaine, it's a cocaine. It's f- He's freaking out and stuff, and he shows the other three friends who they're friends with, like the couples and that. He said, cocaine. John Cena and his partner ends up, like, snorting it just to check if it's cocaine, like, straight away, like, instantly as soon as they see the bag. So they're, like, snorting all this cocaine. The father comes in, Steve Buscemi, and they have a huge – he has a huge argument with him, being like, how can you send me that? This is crazy. I'm here for, like, also a work uh, event as well. And then it all comes out that Steve Buscemi had sent the late wife's ashes – Oh, to no. the daughter, oh, and no. um, they ended up working out that both John Cena and Meredith Hagno had just snorted <laughs> the mother's ashes, and they're like, oh, she's inside me. I think that makes it closer, and just stuff like that. It's like real cringe. That is humor. very yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, look, that's probably one of the winning jokes out of it. There's a lot of ones that didn't. And, uh, yeah, so that one was a little bit disappointing, but the first one was probably worth checking out at least once, I okay, think. Okay, I might check out the first one. Yeah. I might give the second one a miss. <laughs> I would it's... strongly suggest it. Uh, if that that is that is what we've been watching, I think okay, it is that's, that's time. One way, one way to end it on. <laughs> yeah. On a high note, guys. Um, it's time for trivia. It's okay. time for us to get into trivia. You ready for that? I am. I've I pulled together a couple of questions, and I don't... 
I didn't really have a gauge. I've, I've heard the last <laughs> ones, but I didn't want to make it too difficult. I didn't want to make it too easy. So there's some that are blindingly obvious, but then like when you get into trivia mode, you just you just can't see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I go, oh, I know this. Does anybody else know? Do this? anyone else know this? And and they not I don't know? know this. And is that too hard for everyone else? So let's see. I did let's that. So, like when I was picking your questions, I'm like. Yeah, it's obvious, but I'm like, but will he get it? I'm like, but that's the point of trivia. <laughs> Second guessing myself. Uh, do you want to go first? Do you want to question me? Yeah, we'll, we'll go first. We'll okay. start on what what I think is an easy one. Okay, let's see. Let's see. What was the first Pixar movie? For me, uh, ooh, Toy Story? Yeah. Was it Toy Story? It was okay. Toy Story. Yes. I wasn't sure, yes, I wasn't sure whether you were going to get confused with potentially other Disney movies that came out at the time. Hmm. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, there's a lot of like animated ones that weren't like the Pixar ones. There's a bunch actually, but yeah, exactly. no, I remember owning Toy Story as a VHS as so, a kid. So yeah, well done. That's one for me. Alrighty, the first one is a Lord of the Rings theme question because I was like, all right, let's keep it themed for you. Okay. So the audience has picked up on another thing that you might like. I'm a big old nerd. <laughs> Aren't we all there? What is the name of the bridge that Gandalf destroys in the battle with the Balrog? Oh, no, mm-hmm. why? No, it's not going to come to me. I'm, I'm, I can sit here and stumble, yeah. but it's not going to come it's to me. It's not going to. Oh, no, sorry. I was it, about to it say did. it. It did? The, okay. The Bridge of Kazadoom. That You got it. You there absolutely go. nailed it. See, I, you got into trivia mode. It was just blank, but it was there. It was there. <laughs> it was there. That's, that's good. You did it well. Um, I was concerned that your question was going to be the same question that I was about to ask. So I, my second question now mm-hmm. is also Lord of the Rings. Oh, good. Okay. We're going to do another episode at another point, guys, of just us two talking about Lord of the Rings. So save yourself three hours. Yeah. that's Look, maybe we just make it a trilogy. Yeah, look, I, we could. On point. Fellowship of the Rings is one of my favorite films, so I could definitely talk about that. Two Towers I've seen. Countless times. times. I can count, yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. What two roles did John Rhys Davies play in the Lord of the Rings trilogy? So he played Gimli, Correct. and he must have played someone else. I'm going to say short, but he's not short. He was just, it was like alluded to that he's way. He's actually a pretty tall person. Yeah. Did he play the end? He did. He played Treebeard? He played Treebeard. Oh, my Gimli God. Gimli and Treebeard. Got it all. I nailed I, it. <laughs> I wasn't sure whether you were going to get get Treebeard or not, but, I, but we um, got there. We got there. I was actually surprised with myself. As soon as you kind of mentioned that he was like tall in real life, which I kind of knew, I was like, oh, he's Treebeard. He's definitely the end. He's the end. Yeah. Alrighty. So your second question. So this one isn't Lord of the Rings, um, but you'll pick up where it's from pretty quickly. What was the character's name who portrayed the rest of the group in The Matrix? The character's name who portrayed the rest yeah. of the group. So remember the Matrix movie? Remember how they yes. get betrayed about halfway oh, through the movie? Yeah, oh, betrayed. Uh, yeah. Is it Cypher? Yeah, you there nailed it. Go. You got it. I wasn't sure. That one was a tough one. You did very well. That was, there was Neo Trinity Morpheus. I believe there was Mouse. Was B- Mouse, Bugs. guy that got killed. Didn't recall Bugs. There was Bugs is the driver of the ship in. Ah, uh, right. And then, yeah, I knew Cypher was one of the characters. Yeah. I wasn't sure whether it was that character with the with the moustache and, and the goatee or whether it was nope. the, the blonde or oh there is a blonde one too isn't there i need to watch Shit. it again it's phenomenal it's a classic movie yeah. was it 1999 yeah. i believe 99 that and one was probably one of the first movies that i really got into yeah it was 
it stands up today. You can watch it today. I've watched it kind of a couple of years ago and it still holds up. It's I can't believe it's filmed in Sydney as well. Yeah, the, the only thing that gets me when I watch that is that they pull out the really old cell phones. Yeah. And you as the future. <laughs> as the future. You look at it and go, okay, well that's like I get it. You get that <laughs> in like a lot of older movies yeah. where I I watch a lot of nineties movies where I go, This entire movie it it's not realistic today because it, it all gets solved if you just have a mobile phone. Yeah. Yeah, the whole the whole premise would just crumble if it yeah. was in today's society. And you you try not to think about it, but it's always in the back of your mind. Yeah. All right, I think it's the next one for me, I think. Okay, so I am going to... This one, I think, is going to be quite hard, mm. but you may be able to guess it. I got but you get bonus points. Okay, yeah, yeah. Meryl Streep has 21 Academy Award nominations. Oh, Jesus Christ, okay, yeah. How many has she won? Bonus points if you can name any of them. Is it four... No. Is it more? Less. Three. Is it three? Okay. I feel like she's she's quite good. So I feel like four. Let's give her another one. <laughs> it won't be long. Uh, I'm going to guess Devil Wears Prada. No. How not? That's fantastic. And I can't okay. guess the other. Th- bring me the other three. I've got no bonus points. So Kramer versus Kramer in 1980. I know of that film. I haven't seen it. Though. I haven't either. Yeah. Sophie's Choice in 1983 mm-hmm. and Iron Lady in 2012. Okay. They're all films I have not seen, but I haven't seen Iron much Lady's of Meryl Streep. That's a huge thing. Like blind point, I think, in my cinema history is probably not many Meryl Streep films. You just look at Devil's Worth Prada and I've Mama seen Mia. that and I haven't actually seen Mamma Mia. I watched it. I actually watched it recently. It was on TV. Yeah. And, and I sat down and then I go in trouble because my partner wouldn't let me leave until I watched it. <laughs> Well, so we you, you, watch you watched the whole thing. Yeah. And then the second one, straight yeah. after each other. Uh, no, I, that's what I'll probably do at one point is probably sit down and watch all of Meryl Streep's cinematography. and That's a, a lot to do. I know. Through. I know that um, Tish is a pretty big fan of Meryl Streep, so we'll probably do an episode based on it well down the track, so I've seen them all and have a chat about that. All right, your next question and last question. Okay. In Spider-Man No Way Home... Which version of Spider-Man successfully saves MJ after she falls off a building? Surely that's Anthony Garfield's Spider-Man. That is correct. Okay. That is correct. That is the one that saves her. That was that was a guess. I couldn't remember it, mm. but I just put it down to... You've seen it, though. Yeah, I've you've seen definitely it. seen I've it. I've definitely seen it, but I put that down to knowing that it was Anthony what happened? Garfield's yeah. character that couldn't save... Yeah. Uh, Gwen Stacy in his series. When it was, yeah, it's like a redemption arc. I remember seeing that movie with you, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and I already knew the storyline from the comics. And I, when she was falling, I just remember, I think you were in a row behind because it was a packed out cinema. And I just turn around and look at you when she's like getting saved with the like spider web. And then you're like, no, she's not, then surely not, they're not going to do it in this one in the movie. They never do stuff like that in movies. And I just turned and look at you and you're like, you just had this I, face. I think I was just. <laughs> gutted that it happened yeah i'd invested all of my time and energy into this into this movie only for it to end that way it was pretty brutal but i'm kind of glad that they stuck to like a comic book storyline and didn't like do the whole movie cop out like it sucks like emma stone and and andrew garfield had great chemistry on screen as like gwen stacy and and that version of peter parker but i'm glad they kind of doubled down and i wish they just did a third film in that series yeah and that's but that's, I think there's a lot of fans. There's a lot of fans of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. There's a lot oh, of fans yeah. of the Andrew Garfield 
Spider-Man. Even the Tom Holland one. Like everyone, like there's different versions. Drew R. Wright of that love their particular Spider-Man. And that's that's why this it's it is what it is. I I think mm. they got they got their time. They yeah. got their their reunion, which was that's what w- this it was film fun. was essentially for. Was especially yeah. a tie up of a lot of storylines, wasn't it? And on that note, I think it's time for us to move into the news. So I'm going to read a few out here. We've got a little bit of news this week. There's a little bit of popped out into the into the Twitter sphere that I read okay. up and added in. So I'm going to read them out. If we have anything to discuss, just add in a little bit and what you think. We'll go from there. Uh, Kelsey Grammer reprises his role as Fraser Crane in the new Paramount Plus series, Fraser 2023. Much of the plot is still unknown, but star Kelsey Grammer has described it as a third act for the character. The series will take place in Boston, where Cheers, on which the character of Frasier was introduced, was set, as opposed to the Seattle setting of the original Frasier. So I loved Frasier growing up. So did it I. Was, it was always on in the afternoon when I got home from school, Same, and yep. I would sit there and watch it, and I don't know why, but I just imagine that they were the epitome of just Class, class. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I used to watch it, and I was like, ah, oh, this is what it's like, class, like, ah, oh, to industry. Yeah, and they're, they're ex-cop. <laughs> father that was like the brash yeah like balance of the two i think i liked it because of that dynamic and i think it was always on before simpsons i think it was something like that it was before simpsons so you watch that before all the simpsons would come on as a kid um i thoroughly enjoyed it but if watch i've watched a few episodes randomly kind of in the past couple of years like it's been on and i'm like he's definitely got flaws as a character oh yeah but (laughs) who of us doesn't i know right um i had a look in the rest of the cast of this film, as I was writing this up, it doesn't look like many people are returning from the original Seattle version. Like, I don't think the brother's going to be in it. I think the, the radio host helper is Lady. I don't okay. remember her name. Um, obviously, the father has passed away since the filming of the original series, so unfortunately he's not going to be in it. So it's going to be a very different show from the original Frasier and probably different again from Cheers. Like there may be some Cheers crossover characters because it's going to be set in the same world. Like it's in Boston. So it'll be interesting to see. And it comes out October 12 is when the first episode launches on Paramount+. Plus. Have they started filming any of that yet? Oh, it's all, yeah. It's almost about to come out, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was was my confusion was just... It's uh, this coming out as news and whether they'd... Uh, I well, the first I'm hearing yeah. about it too, but yeah, That's it's, it's less I'm than a... It. It's basically a month off the first episode dropping. So well, it be, came out of nowhere, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this. I'll I'll watch it. I'll sign up for Paramount Plus for that free period and then I'll watch a few episodes and see how it is. If it's yeah. good enough, I might stick with it, but we'll see. Next part of the news is... On Thursday last last week uh, at the Venice Film Festival, Adam Driver and Michael Mann officially kicked off awards seasons with a world premiere of a racing drama, Ferrari, which debuted in competition. The packed house of the Sala Grande Theatre showered Driver and Mann with a six-minute standing ovation. Ferrari will open in theatres December 25 from independent studio Neon. So he's going to be starring Adam Driver as Enzo Ferrari, and it's basically a biographical film about you know the rise of the racing world around that time period. He's played a few yeah. of these historic Italians, hasn't he? Yeah, he, he played the Gucci. He was in Gucci. That Gucci. was that was good. You have seen that? I have seen that one. Yeah, I like that too, actually. So, and I saw the trailer for this one the other day, and I, I I'm very excited I'm, to watch it. Yeah, I'm very keen to see it as well. I um. I like Adam Driver. I think he's a really good actor, actually. I think he can do quite a versatile range of 
characters. Well, that was where it's interesting is that he sort of bursts onto the scene to to major mm. major movies with Star Wars. Yes, and he obviously his character in Star Wars doesn't have much of a personality. No, besides bratty grandson. Exactly, and then everything that I've seen in him since, he's really quite funny. And yeah, he's got great comedic timing, and he's got a good acting range. And mm. even mm. in interviews, he's he's a looks like a really mm. great, genuine sort of guy, which is why I then look back on Star Wars and go, "Oh, this is yeah, interesting choice of personnel." Of, of, yeah, yeah. But looking on these recent ones again, he's he's been performing well. He's been mm-hmm. doing great in almost everything he's done. He's definitely hit a pedigree now. I think comparative to when Star Wars came out. Yeah, I think a lot of the reason why he got chosen for Star Wars is his uncanny look of both Luke, um, not Luke, of Han Solo and Leia. Like he looks a lot like Harrison Ford when you kind of put them close together at the same age and then obviously Leia with the hair as well. So there is that look to him that you could definitely go, he's he's like, you know, a son of both of their characters. Um, His comedic timing is... uh, he was definitely picked because of... I don't know if you've ever seen the show Girls from HBO. It's like an older... No, I haven't. He was in that. He was like the boyfriend of one of the main characters and he is a little bit unhinged in that and he's quite funny. So he started out in, in that show and yeah, I think that's where someone's gone, you know what, I think you've got it. You've got something, so we'll put you in this. And yeah, he's just gone on from there and he's doing a lot of big AAA version movies now. So Okay. Very keen to see Ferrari on yeah. December 25th. Let's hope it doesn't get delayed because of the writers and actors strike like everything else. Yeah, like everything else at the moment. We'll see how that goes. Alrighty, next part of the news. Uh, Vertical is shifting the theatrical release of Rebecca Miller's romantic comedy, She Came To, by a week. The film, which stars Peter Dinklage, Anne Hathaway, and Marisa Tomei, will open on October 6th instead of September 29, when it was originally slated to premiere. Vertical opted to change its release strategy after Apple decided to move the opening of Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon to later in the month. Yeah. I'm excited to see this. I saw the trailer mm-hmm. and when the trailer started, I had no idea what, what it was expect. about. And as the trailer went on, I didn't know what was coming next. It was it looks odd and eccentric to say the least. Yeah, well Peter Dinklage can definitely play up that kind of crazy yes. role as well. Yes. <laughs> And so that's, I believe he plays an artist yeah. in that. Yeah. And Anne Hathaway plays his wife, who yeah. is a bit dominating and a bit of a, I believe has germ phobia. Oh, okay. Or something similar in that. Yeah, yeah. She's always cleaning. It'll be interesting to see. I'm interested to see both those films, actually. Killers of the Flower Moon, I've seen the trailer for, and it's like, it's getting a lot of buzz around like Oscar noms and stuff. Uh, it's the big Apple push. It's the, it's the Apple made movie, but it's not going to their. TV Plus, it's going to cinemas. So it's to be the yeah. first one that goes out there. It's got Leonardo DiCaprio in it as well. Martin Scorsese is, you know, known for his big films. So that's got a trailer out. It's worth checking out as well. But yeah, these two films are going up against each other probably for a reason. They're probably going to be both pretty heavy award season movies. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last bit of the news before we move on to the main topic is the second Five Nights at Freddy's trailer is here. And it offers an even closer look at Bloomhouse's vision for the creepy animatronic puppets made famous on Twitch and elsewhere. We'll see whether Bloom's risk with Five Nights at Freddy's pays off when it releases October 27. Did you play the games? I didn't. No. And but you know. I, I know of the games. I know what you need to do in the games. Yeah, they're creepy. And I, 
I also know that they're horror mm-hmm. games and I, I get scared very easily in these things. So I... You're the same probably, as me. I will avoid this, but that's not because I don't think it looks good. I'll avoid it because... It's terrifying. I like to sleep at night mm-hmm. and I will probably get nightmares. I, um... Yeah, I haven't played the games, but I know exactly what they're like. They're one of those, like, it's kind of like a survival kind of type game and those things, if you don't have the flashlight looking at these particular animatronic puppets, they move and they get closer to you and then you turn back, they're closer again and it's kind of just weird creepiness the whole time. Yeah, So a movie based on that? It's a mix of jump scares and that continual sense of dread. Yeah, and I've already dealt with that when I watch Midsummer, so I don't think I'll do that again. Don't watch that either. <laughs> I just don't do horror. But we're coming up to October when I've already kind of agreed with Tisha we'd do a horror month. Um, one of the episodes is going to be the Scream series. I've already agreed with that. And then I don't know what else I'm going to do. Maybe an Ari Aster one. So okay, mid- Midsummer, Hereditary, Bo is Afraid. Good I've, luck. i got to deal with those ones. Good we'll, luck. We'll see how we go. And that is the news for this week. And that will bring us to the main topic of... The episode, which is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So we picked that. Why, Teddy West? So I'm a big fan of Dwayne Johnson, and I mm-hmm. apologize if I keep calling him The Rock because... Oh, I'm going to as well. So. I've I followed his career back from when I was a fan of wrestling when I was mm-hmm. much younger. Yeah. And then his transition from wrestling into acting, mm-hmm. which... I probably need to start this off with, I like, I watch a lot of movies for the entertainment value and Mm. not the artistic film value. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of very, very bad movies. That's fine. Whatever, you know, you enjoy, that's completely okay. That is fine. That's that's not to say bad movies, but they're not going to win awards. Yeah, exactly right. And that's a lot of what Dwayne Johnson movies represent is pure entertainment popcorn value flicks, whereas it's not going to be like, oh... Uh, wasn't that uh, just art? <laughs> exactly. And so, look, a lot of people may have watched the Young Rock TV show and may have a bit more of an idea about yeah. his history. But very quickly, he grew up as the son of a former wrestler. Yeah, yeah. He then expanded into, had a very, very short-lived career in the NFL, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And then went on to debut in WWF. Had a career there and then transitioned into a cameo in The Mummy Returns mm-hmm. with uh, Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss. I um yeah I remember that it was very it was very brief because he was essentially the the villain of that movie besides the main villain from the first one but it was like a secondary kind of villain. Yeah, um, a lot of it was CGI'd, but like they used his likeness and he was in it a little bit just to kind of tell his backstory. And that was kind of his definite start into Hollywood. He did some other things later and that kind of got traction and he got bigger from there. And from there, he's he started Seven Bucks Entertainment, his mm-hmm. entertainment production company, which he, I believe, was on the re- produced the recent Black Adam movie as well. Oh, uh, he did. Yeah, yeah. Because that's why he was backing it so much because it was all his kind of own producing. And, yeah. And from his... Breakout role in very brief role in The Mummy Returns. He's worked harder than I think any person in Hollywood and mm. has released countless movies. I think it's up to like, I think IMDb said like 96, but I think that includes some of the WWE like special appearance episodes and stuff. But I think he's he's done such a number of films in 20 years. Well, that's, I, I forgot 
how many he'd actually yeah. done. And that's, I started, I went on to have a look and you start working back from where he's currently at. And you <laughs> yeah, go, yeah. oh yeah, he was in that. I've seen that. I've yeah. seen that. I've seen that. You just and then you get through. back and you go, <laughs> oh. oh wow, that was, that movie came out that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was looking for when we, cause we're doing a top five guys or a top three basically of each our favorite rock films was what we we're going to go for in the next kind of half an hour. When I was going through this, I was just like, all right, let's see which ones I really enjoy comparative to ones like, you know, you've seen and you, they're okay, they're fine. And I was like, oh my God, there's so many to choose from. <laughs> so many I've seen. Um, yes, but I think we, we discussed this before was that there's the rocks acting yeah. generally just falls into three categories. Yes. He's either an angry brooding action hero, <laughs> which you see in, I believe, the movie with Snitch and yeah, yeah, yeah. in... Black Adam, where he's just angry and wants yeah. to punch things. Yeah. He, his second type of role is the witty and comedic action hero, which is most of his other yeah, roles. Yeah, it's like Jumanji and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, yeah Central it's Intelligence, yeah. Baywatch. He just tries to get that comedic timing, and it's the same comedic timing in all of those films. Oh, yeah. And then the third category is everything else, and I put them all into one category just because there's not a lot of them. No. The first one and two take up probably 90% of his films and then the other everything else category is it's very niche. Which is rough because the everything else category are the movies that I enjoy. Yeah. It's it's not him trying to force humor action hero yeah, yeah. on people. And generally I found well, I find a lot of those roles to be a lot like they're dramatic roles which mm. which generally work. Yeah, I was looking for your top three that you've kind of come up with. Um they're, they're different to my ones and uh, they're they're definitely less of the comedic type. Well, I mean, there's a couple in there, but like there's definitely some dramatic roles as well. Um, do we want to start off with going through our top three favourites and go work backwards, like three, two, yep. one? We'll go from there. If you want to go first, then we'll alternate between. Okay, so my, my number three yep. was a movie from 2006 called Gridiron Gang. Mm-hmm. So it's a biographical film with Dwayne Johnson and Exhibit who star as counsellors at a juvenile detention centre Yeah, working with the the kids that have been locked up. Yeah, it's less fortunate. Less fortunate. Yeah. And they start a American football team with these kids and yeah. the movie re- revolves around trying to get these kids and get their lives back on track through working in a football team and yeah, building cool. up that trust and getting them back into society. Mm. And... At that point, he'd done a couple of other movies, Walking Tall, Welcome to the Jungle, which was that action oh. hero. and I remember that one with Sean William Scott. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. this was his first shift into serious yeah. acting. And yeah. he hasn't done a lot of it, but I think he hit this one well. It, mm. it was never going to win awards, and it's not really strong acting where you'll go, oh, this brings a tear to my eye. Yeah, but it still had heart. It still had heart. Yeah, and it, okay. It, it really works well especially when you start to look at it as a biographical film yeah okay. there's a lot of thought and a lot of effort into it all right one of the interesting things i had with this though is that i hadn't really heard of the director and had a look and (laughs) had a look at the list (laughs) i saw your notes (laughs) and it was he hasn't done a lot recently so this was a 2006 film everything surrounding that film was film clips by youtube I mean, directing, directing, right? Like, it I is. guess it's a short form, but uh, if you want to be in Hollywood and known, probably not doing YouTube, YouTube film clips is going to get you somewhere. Uh, I think it was just that it was an odd choice. He hasn't really done any movies. Yeah. So okay. to do 
to jump between your two film clips and yeah, and then your time with a feature length film. But you got to remember at the time, like Dwayne Johnson wasn't the A list star that he is now, exactly. so that's why using a director like that would have been a lot cheaper. Same with probably the actor would have been a bit cheaper too. Exactly, it's probably, a, it's probably a the budget's probably a little lower budget than other films that he's done. I'd exactly, say. The, the same with Exhibit not being. A, oh. an A-list actor either. No, they've got the exhibit as like the secondary character. I want to check this out actually. When I saw you pop this in the list, I hadn't actually heard it before. This is like one of the films that I saw on Dwayne Johnson's list where I was like, oh, I, you know, you know other films even if you haven't seen them by, by The Rock, but I was like, oh, okay, I have not heard of this at all. I want to know more about it essentially. But again, this was before he had his yeah. own entertainment company which was backing his films. Mm-hmm. So this was... Again, lower budget. Yeah, didn't have the A list actors, didn't have the major cinema release, mm. but it was still a good, entertaining film that was heartwarming. And look, that that sits there because it definitely deserves to be there over some of his other roles. That yeah, I didn't put best not mentioned. I I didn't put any of the Jumanjis in this because I don't know they're okay. They're okay films, and but I've rewatched them since, and I'm like, they pretty much only hold up probably the once when you watch them. It's hard to explain. It's yeah, it's not like they're bad the second time, but you're like, I know what's coming. I know the jokes. I you know, but it's, yeah, yeah, and that's I think my choices of movies are for for my favorites here. Mm. I definitely focused around would I watch it again? Mm, exactly, and all of my favorite movies, yeah. I would watch time and time again. Yeah, my top five are the same. I'll get into my third yeah. one now. What, what's your what's your third number three? So my third one, I've got like five, four and five, but I think you're going to have those as well. So that's fine. We'll I'll move into my third one. It's actually Baywatch from 2017. So obviously starring Dwayne Johnson, Zac Efron, Priyanka Chopra, Jonas, Alexandra Diadro, John Bass, Hannibal Burris, and Kelly Roback. I butchered some of those, but you did yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's it's quite a funny movie, I thought. Uh, the spin of this movie, which obviously is based on a TV show from the 90s, starring the Hoff, yep. the Hassel Hoff and Pamela Anderson. Everyone knows what Baywatch was in the 90s. So the fact that they did a, TV, a, a movie very different from that. So that was a kind of a serious TV show with a little lighthearted heart, you know, felt yeah. moments. This was definitely leaning more into... You know, his usual kind of like comedic action hero type character. And I just love how often they'd get involved in situations in this film and everyone's like, why don't you just let the authorities take control of this? He's like, no, 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 it's my beach. Yeah. And <laughs> the whole time. Look, I think Baywatch was, it was right up on my list as well. Yeah. But it didn't quite get, get, get in to the there. top three. Yeah, okay. But I think as far as it goes, I thought it was very, it paid a lot of homage to the exist the previous uh, source material, yeah. The, the David Hasselhoff Baywatch. It also, I believe, it knew its role. Yeah, exactly. it wasn't trying to. It was trying to be a comedy, and it was trying to be entertaining. Yeah, but it wasn't trying to reproduce the original Baywatch. Yeah, it was just trying to be an adaptation. Good because, yeah, I agree with you. I think if it tried to be like the original TV show, like if if The Rock tried to portray what the Hoff did in the show, I just think it would have been like not as received as well as it was. Um, I think the dynamic between Dwayne Johnson and Zac Efron was quite good. Like there's that scene where they're like doing like workout battles between each other. Yeah. And as if you've seen how ripped Zac Efron got for this film, like, cause just to take on the, 
the rock again. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think I've seen interviews with yeah. Zac Efron going. He's like, yeah, it was good. It was hard work. It was good, but I will never do that again in I'll my life. It sounds yeah. absurdly hard to do. He was like, he's like, I didn't have carbs for like eight months straight or something like that. Yeah, and, and any feel, and any scenes where he had to have his shirt off is yeah, like a couple of hours of dehydration to make yeah. sure the abs show through, show through and stuff like that. It was wild time for him, but um, yeah, I think they bounced off well off because I think Zac Efron's quite a good comedic actor as well. I've seen him in com- some other stuff that he's done comedy roles, so I think when he was on screen with Dwayne Johnson, I thought it was a really good dynamic. And same with um, Alexandra Daddrio. I can't say her line. Yeah, Daddario. She's also quite good at um, the comedic timing too. So yeah. I thought the dynamic between all the, all the actors in this was quite good. And the fact that, yeah, they're just dealing with stuff that they shouldn't as lifeguards. It and was I, quite good premise. And I think that's a throwback to the original TV show yeah, where it was. They shouldn't have the, been dealing with why, stuff. Yeah, why does this beach just have all of the absurd Why is there so many drug, drug lords in this beach? Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it was a good it was a good time. That's why it's on my list. So I'll jump into my second one, mm-hmm. which I think if you're under the age of fifteen or you're <laughs> a parent, you definitely have heard of this. So I've got Moana as my number two, which is twenty fifteen animated film starring Ali Carvalho, Dwayne Johnson, and Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords fame. It's a musical animated film. The film was set in Hawaii and around the Pacific Ocean where they essentially travel across the ocean to try and break a curse. Yeah. Yeah. With a lot of great songs along the way. The Rock has his own breakout song. You're welcome. You're welcome. Every- yeah. <laughs> I say that all the time. I like if something funny's happened at work or something, all of my previous work. And uh, it's like I was involved. I just say, you're welcome. And then I walk off. Yeah. <laughs> it's just some of that. It's a, yeah, it's a really good. And uh, that, like it, again, it's, it fits into those roles with Dwayne Johnson where, yeah, yeah, I think he's technically the action hero in this, but. Yeah, I feel like he's playing himself. Yeah. The, I, th- I think he Tattoos lot, are exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. He had a lot of fun with this role and yeah. he, like it's, it's a classic sort of story of just yeah. sort of, here's the, here's the cast. Mm. Here is some sort of conflict and we just go to resolve it. Yeah. There's it's a pretty straightforward animated. It's probably one of the better Pixar films in the last couple of years. I feel like Pixar has gotten way too convoluted in the messaging of their movies rather than what the story is. Yeah. Yeah, if you look yeah, there was a few recently and I was just like I there was that jazz one I saw. I can't remember, oh, yeah. the, remember the name of it, but, but it was so much about the messaging rather than what the story was telling. And I think Moana just nailed it, in my opinion. And plus, I just love the Hawaii setting, so I just I just loved it. Well, this one, it only has a couple of actual characters in here that you need to yeah. pay attention to. There's a lot of other films where they've just got so many characters mm-hmm. that come and go, particularly for a kid's film, yeah. where you only need a couple of characters to try and drive everything along. Yeah, yeah. This one was fun. It was... The songs are catchy. Yeah. There's no absurd try to like major action sort of things that you get from other Dwayne Johnson films. Yeah. And it's had songs contributed by Lin Manuel Miranda, who mm. of Hamilton fame. Yeah. So you knew it was gonna be pretty pretty top pedigree when it comes to the songwriting. Exactly. Yeah, I I reckon if you haven't checked out Moana for some unknown reason and you're into you know your animated films, definitely check out check out this. I I, I don't know if I've talked to anyone that hasn't seen it, yeah, even no, just for the like just once. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably been on even TV live, live free to air probably at least once. It's been out for a couple of years now, so. And the one, sorry, just as a quick aside, the one thing that surprises me is that I believe they're shifting towards to try and do a live action, a live action yeah. version next year or the year after. They're in talks to do it. I think at the moment it's definitely in pre-production still, so nothing has gone gotten started yet. I think there was also rumors they're like trying to get the actual voice actress to do the live action as well to play Moana, but uh, nothing set in stone. Same with The Rock, obviously playing Ma- Maui again. I'll be in real life. I'll be interested to see how that goes. There was a lot of this movie that was musical based, and yeah. it it worked because it was a kids movie. Yeah, and that I want to just animate things. They, although I do want to see The Rock sing "You're Welcome" with that flowing head of hair. It was in real life. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be very good. But there'll be a few things where they'll really need to CGI some of it. So like, you know, with the where they're trying to turn the island back from a yeah. volcano into Mother right. Earth, whatever some, it's called. Some giant Yeah, it's spirit person. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how if that in live action anyway. Or even Jermaine Clement's giant crab. Is he the crab? Who's the chicken? Well, I thought he was the chicken. No? The chicken okay. doesn't have a voice. The chicken just remember. clucks and tries to eat things. That's and then... right. Yes. It tries to eat everything. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So on to my Your second film is Central Intelligence. So this is obviously starring Dwayne Johnson. This one's from 2016. Dwayne Johnson, Kevin Hart, Amy Ryan, Danielle Nicolette, Jason Bateman, and Aaron Paul. Uh, this one's got a bunch of different writers as well, but uh, the biggest standout writer was Ike Barinholtz. So he's also a comedic actor in a bunch of different stuff as well. If you haven't heard the name, at least Google it, you would have seen him in heaps of things. Yeah, this one was an interesting one. I... I I thoroughly enjoyed this one. It's the uh, it's after he reunites with an old pal through Facebook, a mild-mannered accountant is lured into a world of international espionage. Do you remember this film? I, I do. And I, despite it being a Dwayne Johnson just trying to be a big, muscly, yeah. funny guy, I actually really enjoyed this. If you haven't seen it, and I assume that you probably have seen their banter back and forth between oh. Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson their on best, Instagram. Yeah, their best mates outside of movies. <laughs> and I think that relationship and that love for each other, like it, it shows that they're willing to joke around with each other and do yeah. different things. And it came across in the movie. It didn't have that rigidity that you get a lot with other actors yeah. that are forced to star against each other. I don't think this would have worked without any other type of duo in the in the uh two main cast like the fact that kevin hart and dwayne johnson have such good chemistry outside of just hollywood or filmmaking like they're good mates they're clearly good mates the fact that they're happy to make jokes at the fact of how short kevin hart is and how giant dwayne johnson is comparatively compared to the two i think that works and obviously the the fact that they're happy to make jokes on that it works on screen as well so well that's i with a lot of Kevin Hart films, is that I see that he tends to dominate a lot of the a lot of the script and dominate yeah. a lot of the jokes and a lot of the screen time just tends to be him mm. yelling. Yeah, that's his usual stick. Whereas in this one, it was like roles reversed. Well, yeah, and like it's a lot more even in a similar yeah. way where a lot of the Rock's action mm. scenes are just him with tight shirts and then and brooding eyebrows. And, yeah, and like <laughs> making comedy, but like yeah. that dominates yeah. a lot of what's going on there. There, There's a good balance in this, so yeah. I didn't feel that overwhelming sense from either of them. No, because 
It's an interesting story. Like um, when they were kids, like it opens with a particular scene where both Kevin Hart and the Dwayne are at high school. Kevin Hart's like the he's like the I don't know if he's the prom king or something and or anything, but he, he, he's he's the golden jet. He's he's the, yeah, he's the star of the football team. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he's the star of the football team. He's like everyone's favorite, and he's like doing a speech or something, and the bullies like throw a morbidly obese naked naked. Dwayne Johnson into the in front of everyone in front of everyone while he's making the speech and yeah like the heart of this movie is the fact that you know bullying and the only person who didn't laugh at Dwayne during the high school incident was Kevin Hart basically who, who put his jacket around him yeah and, and helped him out yeah um, so that's why Dwayne Johnson's character like likes Kevin Hart's character and it kind of plays out the whole film comedy ensues he's a CIA agent now and he's like muscled up. And yeah, and there's, there's questions back and forth throughout the movie about whether Dwayne Johnson's character is corrupt or not. And yeah. Then if you haven't seen it, it is definitely a good movie to sit through. Yeah. It's it's fun. It's funny. It doesn't lean too heavy on a number of different jokes. It, it, has, it has good messages through it too as well. I just had fun with it. I remember when I watched it, I think it was, I think it was just when it was on streaming. It first came to streaming, so it was a couple of years ago now, and I just chucked it, I think I just chucked it on my laptop and I was just like in bed watching it one night and I was just like, this is, this is fun. I'm having a very good time with this. Yeah. And it was a little bit more standout to his other comedy stuff for me, Dwayne Johnson, because it was, I think the both of them just worked really well together and I just, yeah. Yeah, I agree. With it. And look, this was around the same time as Baywatch. And so exactly. he had a few films there that were really quite strong films mm. that stepped away from the other films that he'd been doing, yeah. which all fit into that that very similar category. All right, we'll get into your top one now. Do we want to jump into the top one or do we want to do any honourable mentions, dishonourable mentions? Let's do that first before we get into our top. Okay, honourable mentions for you. I've seen you've popped in Ballers. So what is that, Andrew? So Ballers is a TV show that came out a few years ago. It's got a few se- seasons and yep. Dwayne Johnson plays a NFL player's agent and a former player himself and it deals with a lot of... It's very similar to Entourage, for yeah. those that have seen that, where yeah. yep. it's, it focuses the, around the successful lives and a lot of money that gets thrown at players mm-hmm. and agents and that sort of lifestyle of going to parties and things yep. like that. Dwayne Johnson's character struggles with pain problems and has yeah. a lot of uh, addictions to pills and items like that. It's not – it's that mixture of drama and comedy. Yeah. There's not that action element to it. No. But it's it's very entertaining and there's it, – it drives the series by itself without actually needing too much from Dwayne Johnson's character and it's a lot of just reacting to, oh, okay, this player is trying to get drafted here mm-hmm. and this is happening to these players. This player wants – new contracts, all the sort of things you'd get from a player's agent. But it's fun. It it also stars John David Washington from Tenet and Black Klansman fame, Rob Corddry from Hot Tub Time Machine and every other comedy film that you'll see. Yeah, It's a a HBO uh, TV show and you know that they put money into their... Into their production, so it's it's pretty high high value. I have seen a couple episodes. I can't say what season or whatnot, but I've randomly watched it, and it was it was thoroughly enjoyable. It's essentially it's essentially that show where it's like yeah, it's about NFL, but it's everything else behind the scenes of the NFL. It's everything that goes into it and makes up the rest of the industry. Yeah, and this initially came out in 2015, which, yeah. as we just said, that was that 
peak mm-hmm. Dwayne Johnson fire time where that was where he was everywhere. He was everywhere and yeah. he was doing everything and a lot of pretty much at that time everything he was touching was just turning to gold. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this lands there for me. The only reason I didn't put it on my it would have landed in my top five films, but it's not a film. It's a TV show. Yeah. That's why we got to mention I, it as I, well. Just make it a technicality. I mean, you could, yeah. We could have said it was top five things, not just films. So that's fine. Yeah. We, we talked about it anyway. And then you had um, Southland Tales, which I've been wanting to watch for so many years, but I haven't got around to it yet myself. So it's a it's a very unique film. It follows a few different storylines. It stars Sarah Michelle Gellar, Sean William Scott, Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. It was quite early in Dwayne Johnson's career mm-hmm. as an actor. And focuses around a very, I believe it was actually about focus around mid twenty twenties, but oh, it was yeah. it was, it was in a future that early twenties, yeah. and there was a post, not a post apocalyptic, but like yeah. there was a bit of a development in weird futuristic stuff, yeah, yeah. like yeah. drugs and degeneration of society yeah. and stuff like that. It's again one of those roles that was when he was trying to do non standard roles for him yeah. he wasn't typecast yet yeah and it's entertaining it's weird <laughs> but it's entertaining i've been meaning to check it out because yeah those those three other actors in this uh one of my fa- like they're my favorites so i want to check this out 20 2006 i think yeah, yeah and that's like the only thing that i'd say about that is that i wouldn't necessarily recommend it for everyone to watch no because it is a bit strange it is a bit strange yeah. and that's it's not the the blockbuster it's no it's probably classified as a, a bit not artsy but Definitely not a blockbuster film. Okay. I'll uh, I'll add that to the list of probably next week. I've got a few to watch now. You keep adding to my I list. Know. You keep adding to my list. Just get everyone to watch Dwayne Johnson movies. and oh, Please yeah. write in. If you've got any ones of your favourites, write into us. Please do. Um, we'll get into your – now I think we'll get into your top one list and then we'll do mine. And we'll, okay. We'll wrap it up after that, I think. So my number one. Yes. Which – I believe we you'd mentioned as one of your... It was my fourth one, and God, I love this film. <laughs> so, Pain and Gain. Yes. It, it's a movie starring Mark Wahlberg, Dwayne Johnson, and Anthony Mackie. Yeah. And they star as bodybuilders. Oh, yeah. They are roided to the nines in this. <laughs> including use of steroids in the movie to oh, yeah. further emphasize that. Yeah. Which... They're, the film focuses around trying to steal the money from Tony Shalhoub's character. Yes, yes, yes. And then follows on with them spending the money and getting caught by the police. It's it's just a wild ride. Like the whole thing, like it's a Michael Bay film. Let's let's preface that because it's Michael Bay. So you're going to get the usual like low sweeping circular shots around characters, lens flares like to the nines. And that really like strong sunlight look on like everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a Michael Bay film, but I just think it's just such a well written Michael Bay film. Not like your Transformers kind of shtick. I just think it's really well done. You've got Mark Wahlberg, who's mainly the central character, who's got like Anthony Mackie and Dwayne Johnson as like the two accomplices to his like main kind of drive. Like it's his idea of just essentially taking advantage of people so he can then live out the American dream. Like that's basically the story in 1990s Miami. So imagine 1990s Miami, bodybuilders, that aesthetic on screen for like two hours. It's phenomenal. And 
I reckon we just talk about Dwayne Johnson's character in this yeah. a little bit more because he's so different on this. He's so unhinged. Yeah, so the movie opens with Mark Wahlberg and trying to get his idea of, I need to make money, how am I going to make money? Yeah. He gets his plan to to extort this character and steal the money mm-hmm. and then realises he needs the accomplices. Yeah. He brings along Anthony Mackie of... He's uh, um, MCU. He MCU is fame. the Falcon. Now he's Captain America. Also in 8 Mile. Oh, yeah. M&M. He is. He is. B-Rabbit. He, and then they also see Dwayne Johnson's character in the gym. Yeah. They go over and have a look mm-hmm. and have a chat to him and go, oh, you're interesting. You're big. You're muscly. You can help. Yeah, yeah. It turns out <laughs> that he is a born-again Christian <laughs> that has just been released from prison. Yep. <laughs> As they start to move through the... Film and get get the money and extort the characters. He very quickly degenerates back to his previous life. Yeah, and watching that degeneration of the oh. character is it's comedic gold. Uh, yeah, yeah, it really is. Actually, he this is probably his funniest role in my opinion. Yeah, and yeah. it's not trying trying to be funny. No. It is just just a funny portrayal. Yeah. There's one particular scene that stands out to me and it's when they've they've actually abducted the character of Victor Kershaw and they just don't know what to do. They're stuck in between that limbo period of like they're just unsure of and they're still working out in that little shed and he's yeah. like, just hang on a second, I've got to do a super set and he's like busting out all these like workout parts. And, and they're, then, all, <laughs> they're all sitting there going, now's not the time, it's too late, I'm it's, in the middle of it. Yeah, it's, it's very funny, uh, worth checking out. The other one about that movie is that I believe it's based on a... Generally, based on a true story. Very loosely based uh, a true story, yes. Yes, it is. I think it is, yeah. So that's, I think, all in all my... I've watched that movie number numerous yeah. times. I am very... I, I, I want to watch it again now because... I know, after talking about it, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a great movie and it would be hard to have something come through and knock that off the yeah. off my number one perch at the moment. See, it was in my list and it probably would have been higher, but I already kind of saw your list. So I was like, well... I don't want to have double ups, so I put I put list. it fourth, but it's it's kind of like it, it's interchangeable. I think this top five for me is interchangeable. My fifth one, which we won't talk about, but I'll just mention it briefly, is Rampage. Mm. <laughs> I love Rampage. It's so bad, but it's funny. See, Rampage was on that tail end of that 2015, 2016 yeah. career. It, it was 2018. It was, and the, same was the same time, time as Skyscraper, correct. I think. Yeah, I think it was around the rough time. And, and that was where there was a few flops. Yeah. Yeah. It Which was, was unfortunate because he he was making some absolute bangers at the time. I know, but those two in particular didn't do well. But I remember Rampage. I think I went to the movies with you to see it. I think I, it's been a while. Like that was twenty sixteen. Yeah. It was a while ago. But um, because it's it's a video game adaptation, and I was like, how are they going to turn in a two D pretty arcadey game into a movie? And I was like, about giant gorillas, giant gorillas, wolves, and what's the other one? The lizard. Crocodile? Croc- it's a huge crocodile, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, into a movie. And they did, so I was like, oh, I really enjoyed it. Anyway. Okay, number one. Number one for me. And I don't know if you'd be surprised or not, but you kind of no. know me pretty well. So this one is Fast Five from 2011. So this is my favourite Fast and Furious movie, and I think this is probably... You're saying a lot. It, well, I know there's a lot of them. It, this one has the most of everything, in my opinion. I mean, it's starring Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, Jordana Brewster, Tyrese Gibson, Ludacris, Matt Schultz, Sung Kang, Gal Gadot, Dwayne Johnson, Elsa Padaki. So this one was Dwayne Johnson's first 
yeah. endeavour into the Fast yeah. franchise. This was his introduction into the Fast franchise. So the the one set in Brazil mm-hmm. where they try to rob the bank that yep. is controlled by the crime syndicate. Yeah, basically everything. In, or, inside or, the police. In Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the classic Fast and the Furious storyline where they just... How do we infiltrate? It. We just steal the, we yeah. steal the entire thing. We'll find a way to get muscle cars into it and go from there. I think this is my favourite one for a number of reasons. I think it's got the right amount of like action that's not too over the top yet in that one. It's got literally everyone that's been in a Fast franchise in it. So it's like it, the team's all together. It feels like it's a complete kind of ensemble of characters. And I think Dwayne Johnson's addition as the like US Marshal trying to capture them is a really good addition into this. Like his version of this, uh, Hobbs's character in this, it's before he kind of changes the character later on in other films. He's relentless, he's ruthless. And I just remember that one scene in particular where they know that they're being hunted by the Dwayne Johnson's character. So they go down to the local car meet just to be like, to meet up with him and it's, the rock comes and sees him there. And it's like all these other car heads, like know Vin Diesel's character really well. And they're on his side and the rock's like, you're under arrest. And he's like, Vin Diesel goes, it doesn't feel like I'm under arrest. And the rock goes, don't worry. It'll stink in soon. Yeah. It's just like the comedic timing of that. And just like his arrogance in the character in that film was really well done. Um, and obviously it's a really big, like competition between Vin Diesel's yeah. character and Dwayne John's character. We won't go into it. Which like, led into like the actual what, real feud. life. Feuds. I don't know if it was real or not, or was it just to drive people to talk about the movie because I don't know. I thought that it was a partial. I don't know yet. Not necessarily a feud, but I believe I think The Rock made a couple of comments around certain actors not pulling their weight and being professional enough, and then was clearly directed towards Vin, Vin Diesel, Diesel. Yeah. And then sort of bitter back and forth. I don't think it was too... I, don't, I think it got blown out of proportion. Agreed. I don't think, um, from what people were saying, how much of a feud it was. Um, but he's back. He, he's going to... He's back in it now. Have you seen Fast X? No, I haven't. Well, look. Oh, look, Everyone comes back. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and um, he did the spin-off one, Hobbs and Shaw. And that, I think, caused a bit of tension as well. Well, I don't... Particularly with Tyrese. Was it? I don't know. I've yeah. got a... It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. I think Tyrese made comments around family and oh, and then, family, and now and you to make your own movie. But it's it literally Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. I don't know because I'm pretty sure Vin Diesel, he's he produces most of them. Like he puts money into it and therefore gets a cut back. Um, smart idea because it's a Fast and Furious franchise. Mm. Anyway, we'll go back to Fast Five. So this is this is my favorite version of his character in this because they definitely change his character in like six seven the whole spin-off yes. to be more like part of the family basically because the events of this film makes Dwayne Johnson's character appreciate and understand what the family go through so this is an interesting film just in the fast franchise yeah and that's all of the previous films barring the third one which was set in Japan and and less, the less time, set, timelines different. Timelines don't line up for Tokyo Drift, and I'm pretty sure that didn't take place yet. So it was one, two, and four. One, at, two, and four. Before and they this. all they led to this. Anything moment. that had been within the United States mm-hmm. had police presence, and whenever they were outside of the United States, didn't have police presence. Mm-hmm. So this being a shift, to then they go to Brazil, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they do actually have some authority chasing them again. Yeah. It was that sort of shift from going, okay, well, this is 
an American-based movie to now, yeah. okay, well, now we're starting to move around the world and, yeah. and do that. And that, I think this was that gateway into more into just the international mm-hmm. setting and started the... This is what started the franchise to take shape of what it is now. So this one, obviously, Brazil. Sixth one was UK. Seventh one was Dubai. That's right. Yeah, where they go through the buildings. And they do come back to LA at the end when he stomps the building down. Yeah, look, I'm, <laughs> I'm starting Eighth to lose one track was, I think, Russia period. when they did the sub. Yep. Ninth one was South America again and then space. That's right. <laughs> and then the tenth one is, are they going to... Italy for a little bit. They go everywhere in the in the in the tenth one, and that's. I think I've got a bit of Fast and the Furious fatigue at this point. Um, yeah. I haven't seen the tenth one. I will watch it at some point. It's out on DVD oh, now. Is it? Yeah, it's already physically released this week. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's come full circle. So you can just wait for the streaming services. I'll, I guess or I'll find it at least before ten part two comes out. That's right. They split it into two. They movies. did. It's because it doesn't end with a complete story. Like it's still, there's some loose threads. See, personally, I think they just took it a little bit too far. After Paul Walker passed, yeah. they had that really sentimental ending. I think the seventh one, that's when I see it end in my brain because I'm like, eh, that's a good send-off. They part ways on the road, which is really actually really heart-touching, like heartfelt moment. Yeah, because that wasn't they long after it, he'd passed away. Yeah, that was the film they stopped filming when it happened and then they came back and retweaked it. That felt like a good ending for everyone. Mm. Then eight came out and then nine and ten. I was like, these are not getting better. <laughs> no, but but look, I think Fast Five was... For me, it's a pinnacle. Yeah, it, yeah. it did that step up from yeah. what they'd previously had. Yeah. And it also... But it still maintained a lot of what was the, the roots of the Fast Yeah, it still series, had like the, the fast cars and the action sequences and the comedy... As well, like to a degree, like Tyrese, mm. but not overdone Tyrese, <laughs> like the new ones. Um, but yeah, that's why that's my top f- uh, film of Dwayne Johnson's. I know he's not like a central kind of actor in this film; like he's definitely like a support character. But it's one of my favorite films, so that's why I've popped it in on my top choice. And look, I think there was, as far as Dwayne Johnson's full list yeah. of movies, there's so many different ones that. I've enjoyed watching over the years. Other ones that are he's in that were just sort of a brief cameo. Yeah. I watched Free Guy recently, the Ryan Reynolds. I have seen that too. Movie. I'm trying to remember which part he's in. He's actually one of the people that come in to rob the bank but has a mask on the entire time. Oh, so you only yeah. hear his voice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I've seen – I remember that part. Yeah, okay. Yeah, There's a bunch of different cameos in that. I'm pretty sure um, – who's his best mate that plays Wolverine? Hugh Jackman. He's also one of them as well, I think. Yeah. In the masks, I think. And that's, I think there's plenty of Dwayne Johnson movies that we could talk about. Oh, yeah. And look, I would sit here and talk about for hours. Yeah. But we can't. And to be honest, probably shouldn't. Probably shouldn't because it is. What a maintained views. (laughs) It is getting to an hour. What we'll do is we'll wrap it up right there. So um, as always, thank you so much for listening. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please give it a follow. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and threads at BingeList or email us at BingeList and BoxOfficeHits at gmail.com. I want to thank you, Andrew Teddy Westini, for joining us as a special guest this week on Binge List. You've no. really helped us out, and I've had a really good time talking about the rock films with you. No, thank you. I, I appreciate being invited on here as a 
as an authority on on, the Rock on Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Hopefully, I've done Letitia proud, and I think she'll be very proud of your efforts today. And um, I think what we'll do is we'll line it up once you get back from honeymooning overseas. We'll get a mm. Lord of the Rings special edition episode on. Well, it is twenty years from Return yeah. of the King release at the end of the year. Oh yeah, we should do something when it's that week. I think or around that time. But we'll see where we get to. We'll see where we get to. Um, if you'd want it, let us know. And as always, thank you so much. See you guys. See you later.